Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Welcome to Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Each week we bring you the very best analysis from The Athletic's team of Chelsea experts. We're recording this week's show shortly after full time at Selhurst Park, where Chelsea won 3-2 against Crystal Palace. We'll be reacting to that result and performance, as well as reflecting on the matches against West Ham and Watford, and seeing what we've learned from that trio of fixtures which have taken place since last we spoke. Much to get through then, so let's get on with the show. Yes, welcome along, listener. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined, as ever, by the Athletics' stable of Chelsea specialists. First, please join me in saying hello to a man who joins us live from his car somewhere near Selhurst Park after witnessing firsthand that dramatic Chelsea win. It's Dominic Fifield. Good evening. I'm just under the floodlight at Selhurst Park in the car park, and it's freezing. Nice. It's pouring with rain. It's freezing. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way in July. Classic Sellers Park. <laughs> You're not going to Crystals tonight then, Dom? Hey, the night is early. <laughs> uh, Liam Toomey's also here. How are you doing, Liam? I'm good. I'm good. Just about recovered from all of that. How about you, Simon Johnson? Is your, your heartbeat returned to uh, normal rate? Yeah, it's beating very limply. <laughs> okay. Right, as I mentioned, we're recording the show in the aftermath of the game at Selhurst Park. Uh, as has been the case with most Chelsea games since the restart, plenty of positives and a few negatives as well. Uh, on the plus side, three points, a Tammy Abraham goal, another from Pulisic, that Zuma challenge at the end, and momentum continued from Saturday. Uh, but on the negative side, some of that defending, yeesh. Uh, Dom, you were there. What did you make first-hand of Chelsea's performance? Well, that was a neat summary, I have to say. The, I'm not quite sure how they survived stoppage time at the end, um, quite frankly. It was a wonderful save, actually, from Kepper to keep out Scott Dan uh, and Zuma's challenge after that. There seemed to be some collective brain freeze amongst Chelsea's players. Andreas Christensen, in particular, seemed to go walkabout quite a bit. Uh, which which really that left it very very frantic in what really should have been a, a game that they'd sewn up a lot lot earlier because they had good chances on the counter attack uh, they should probably have added a fourth themselves there were positives I thought their I thought their attacking play in the first half until Zaha scores uh, were was excellent I thought they had a, a real purpose to their midfield they cope with Palace they they kept Palace quiet as as most teams do it has to be said. Um, and then panic just set in, and that 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 is alarming. One little one little plus that I should mention. I thought Jorginho made a real impact when he came on. For about fifteen minutes after he came on the pitch, he actually dominated the game, and it was 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 actually calming down his centre halves, talking to them, getting them through it. And then of course that all evaporated in stoppage time again. 
Yeah, we've had a, a couple of um, tweets in actually on the Jorginho subject, uh, Liam. CFC Bright says Jorginho literally changed the game for us when he came on. So why has he been dropped in the first place? Gautam adds, can we just go back to playing Jorginho in midfield? He's He's reacted the right way to not playing, hasn't he? We haven't heard any outbursts from him. There's been no shots of him sulking on the bench. He's been fairly encouraging of his teammates. And more importantly than than that, when he came on, he showed maybe why he's going to be a useful player for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. He brought order to what had seemed a very chaotic game pretty much throughout. Um, And I, I don't think it's diminished too much by the fact that even he couldn't calm the madness for the for the final couple of minutes it was quite drastic literally from the moment he came onto the pitch suddenly the game had a pattern and a form which was Chelsea working it slowly and patiently from side to side and then back in the middle for Jorginho to ping another pass and it wasn't necessarily going anywhere but it was a, a form of a form of control a form of composure that they really hadn't had and I, I listened in on Lampard's press conference afterwards and he did he did admit that he didn't like the way his midfield played today. Um, he, he really didn't think they had the kind of rotations and the, the kind of movement um, and the kind of precision that they had against Watford for long spells. And Jorginho brought that. And it does beg the question as to why he hasn't played a minute so far. You know, when you're talking about N'Golo Kante really being run into the ground to the point of picking up a hamstring injury and Billy Gilmore, I think, maybe beginning to show signs that he is just 18 and and needs to be kind of managed in and out every now and then. Uh, Jorginho does clearly have a role to play and, and there's been a, a feeling maybe that Lampard was making some kind of point with, with, with this over the last few weeks, but I think he's going to need Jorginho in, in the last few games. And actually, Simon, what we've seen in the case of Olivier Giroud is that Lampard is prepared to kind of back down, maybe admitting he's wrong is, is a bit too strong, but he won't shut the door on players completely. It's not like there's no way back for Jorginho. No, you can play your way back into the team if you if you impress in the minutes you get. And Giroud certainly did that. And I think Jorginho has probably played his way into the starting eleven for Sheffield United. Now, I'd, I'd be very surprised, given the way that Billy Gilmore has played since the restart. He's not matched the very high standards he set uh, back in March when we were all very excited about what we saw, and rightly so. But I, I thought Gilmore, it, it wasn't a terrible performance, but there were times where he went missing, where I thought the Palace players were bullying him, and he wasn't helped out too much by Ross Barkley and, and Mason Mount either. And, and that just meant Palace dominated midfield and had the better the play, really, once Zaha, sort of generally, once Zaha got them back in it with that a rather ferocious strike. But, yeah, I, I think... If, if Lampard wants to get Chelsea over the line, even if he's looking to move Jorginho on this in the next transfer window, then I think he's going to have to bite the bullet and, and put Jorginho back in the team until Kante's fit again. Dom, before Jorginho came on, who was the most vocal of the of the Chelsea players? Who was doing the organising? Was it was it just as Piliqueta? Was anybody else chipping in? It's a really good question. Where we were sitting up up in the, the main stand at Celeste Park, we were behind the dugouts. And if I'm honest with you, what you largely got was the, the coaching staff and, and, and Bray Lewington more than anyone else. Uh, Frank Lampard was was very vocal getting his messages out there. But there wasn't there wasn't a, a, somebody on the pitch uh, screaming instruction to his teammates amongst Chelsea's ranks. That, that was, I think that, that probably... 
made the contrast when Jorginho came on even more marked because those centre-halves that were picked tonight, I know Zoom has done very, very well with that last-ditch challenge, but they needed guidance. They needed someone just to remind them of their shape um, and the back line's shape. And it's not easy to do that from left-back, I don't think. I mean, even for Azpilicueta. So for, for Jorginho, who... He was constantly on the half turn. He was constantly talking to them. I mean, literally from the moment he he came on, the first thing he did was barked instruction at uh, Zuma uh, to his over his left shoulder, and that just set it did set the tone. It made it made it a different, it gave it a different feel, and it, and it did rest back some control. And there was that, that fifteen minute period thereafter that Chelsea were were the dominant team uh, until the the frantic final moments. Tom's touched on on defence there. We, we've had a question in. Uh, from Chelsea Polster, who wants us to rank the current Chelsea centre-back. So let's say that Fikayo Tomori is fitting in this and, and the four is Tomori, Rudiger, Christensen and Zuma. Rudiger looked like he was a lock and then it was one other, but he's he's been out for the, the last two games, dropped to the bench. Liam, is, is Zuma and Christensen your preferred pairing? Oh, none of them fill me with confidence as combinations. <laughs> Um, and that's it's been the, it, it is the area that is in urgent need of upgrade, isn't it? I don't think there's any doubt about that. It is, and it's and it's difficult to see exactly how you'd change it because I think all four centre backs individually have things to recommend them, and they and they they all have. Obviously, Rudiger kind of is what he is at this point, but the other three you would think all have room to grow as well. But they don't seem to work too well in partnership, any of them, and none of them as we've been alluding to, are real leaders, organisers. And I think, you know, Kurt Zuma's maybe come closest to doing that, certainly in the closing stages of this game, in that he, he, he will step up and take responsibility. And I would probably put him at the top of the ranking purely on the basis of the fact that he can head a football uh, consistently. He's got the timing and aggression to win headers, which makes him absolutely vital for making sure that Chelsea aren't the the second worst team in Europe at defending corners. Uh, so so I'd have him number one and then probably, I don't know, it's difficult to say. I think Rudiger has been genuinely quite bad since the injuries. He has not shown the player that he was under Antonio Conte. For that reason, I'd probably go for actually Tamori because I think he's produced the best stretch of football alongside Zuma that Chelsea have produced all season. And Andreas Christensen, again, has good timing, but he, he, he can get a little bit bullied and he, he certainly had a few dodgy moments against Palace. Simon, you're, you're a fan of Andreas Christensen or certainly have been in recent weeks. I'm guessing you'd pick him uh, and maybe if I allowed you a choice I don't allow, Liam, would, would you have Declan Rice there alongside him? <laughs> well, the two of them would certainly know how to pass the football. Um, look, I mean, when I talk about Christensen... His performance against Man City set the benchmark and then you would have to say the two performances since then he's failed to, to live up to the standard he set and he, he's still got these moments where he just switches off. You know, he's got to get rid of this element to his game because, you know, Chelsea can't wait forever for him to, to mature into the player that he could be. Um, and there's there's no doubt about it that teams are targeting him physically uh, you saw Benteke sort of certainly go over to his side um, more than, whereas I thought Zuma sort of had quite a, a a very solid game. And what I liked about Zuma was 
when he wanted to clear it, he just cleared it. There was no messing about. Even if it was an ugly punt straight up into the air, basically, he just he just did the basics which you want for a centre half. So, look, if Chelsea can get Declan Rice, which is certainly what the club would prefer to happen, um, then I would probably at this moment in time totally reverse and go Zuma and Declan Rice. Even though Zuma's future at the club is is actually up in the air because I think if a big bid came in for Zuma, they'd probably accept it. Uh, Tom, I'm sure if you if you were to ask any of those four centre-halves privately, they would say our lives would be somewhat easier if we had a goalkeeper behind us who we had full faith in. When I first saw that Zaha goal, I thought it was a great strike. Second time, I thought it was a good strike. Third time, I thought the goalkeeper should have tipped it over. Is that harsh? No, it's not harsh. We watched it over and over again as well at half-time just to, just to check whether... He could have done better and he clearly could have done. It went over his arm as it was, I mean, it's, it just went through him effectively. And he had so much time. It's That was a long way out. It must it was, must have been close to 30 yards out. And it didn't particularly swerve either. I, I, I assumed it must have swerved dramatically when he struck it. But no, it wasn't, there wasn't anything major in terms of the angle that it was coming at him. So the, the thing about Kepper is, he just doesn't inspire confidence in those around him. And, and, and that is clearly affecting the centre-halves, whichever combination is put out there. He, look, he redeemed himself to a certain extent, or to a large extent, I guess, with, with the fingertips he got on Dan's header in stoppage time, which, which you know, let's, let's face it, like that, that won Chelsea three points in the end. Um, but if Dan's header had gone in i think again we would have been wondering should he have done better on that even it's 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 he he just doesn't look like a player that is going to command his area and and the, the defenders are going to be completely confident of of everything he's going to be doing behind them whether it be coming for a cross pulling off a a, a save um whether routine or not he just looks a bit shot at the moment and we talk about the centre-halves. Yes, I do need to do something about that. But I, I do wonder about what happens with Kepa in the summer. And if, if an offer came in of a, of a two-year loan back in Spain, would the club be tempted if they thought they could get someone who is ready-made to, to, to fit into this team and would command the area slightly better than him for, say, £25, £30 million? I think if you ask the question, will Chelsea win the Champions League or Premier League with this goalkeeper? And I think right now you have to say the answer is no. And if that's your answer, then you have to find somebody else that will. Because in, in terms of Chelsea, they had Petr Cech and then they had Thibaut Courtois, two keepers that have won sort of trophies on a on a consistent basis. And you just don't get that confidence with Kepper. And as Don was saying, and and if if his teammates feel that, and you almost they will never say it, but you get the impression that that's what they're feeling, then panic is always going to set in when the ball's in around the penalty area. And look, fair play to him for making that save from Scott Dan, but those kind of saves are few and far between. It's been two years now that he's been Chelsea's number one and and really there's been no sign of improvement. Uh, Lest we forget, Chelsea actually won this game. Let's talk about some positives before we move on from it then. Uh, Liam, I guess guess one that stands out is the fact that Tammy Abraham came on and got what proved to be the winning goal. He'd gone eight without before this, so that feels like a significant moment in his season. Yeah, very composed finish, uh, which is something that he hasn't hasn't shown a lot of in, in the last few weeks, composure anywhere on the football pitch. Um, so it was nice to it was nice to see that. It was really nice to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek's assist 
You know, he got got the ball off Mason Mount, drove through the middle, which is exactly the thing that he's best at, and then a wonderful little dinked pass through for Abraham, perfectly timed, perfectly into his stride, and really put the chance on a plate for him. So I think that was a sign that Loftus-Cheek is ready to be a significant contributor over these last four games, and that's that's big news for Chelsea. But it's also positive that they might be in a situation where they have Abraham and Giroud um, both feeling confident enough to score goals because that's rarely been the case this season that, that both of them have been firing at the same time. That said, Abraham has to make sure he does the other things, the little things as well because giving the ball away by the sideline right near the end to set up that huge Palace chance and then not chasing back after the ball he'd lost was not a good look and I'm sure that Lampard will be flagging that up to him when they do the video review of this game. Uh, Dom, you got to see Christian Pulisic uh, up close. It was a terrific goal that he scored. Usually say that goalkeepers might think they could do better at their near post, but I don't think Gaeta had even got his glove up by the time the ball was in the net. Were you impressed with him having seen him up close and personal? I was, yeah. I mean, I think you can measure his impact on that game with the frazzled nature of Joel Ward's performance at right back for Palace. Joel Ward is a he's a deeply religious man, and at the start of the second half, he he was on on the pitch praying, and you just thought to yourself, "My word!" Given the first half performance where he's been ripped <laughs> to pieces, there's a reason why he's praying now. Uh, he actually he improved thereafter, but but um, Pulisic is a He's a Rolls Royce of a player in the making. He looks, he looks the part. He's 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 got something about him. He he glides with a football at his feet and deceptively quick as well across the turf. And to think that he's only is he twenty one? Mm. He's tw- twenty one. I mean that's when Chelsea paid fifty odd million pounds for him. I think a lot of people were thinking, well, are they buying into the American market here? Is this really going to prove a sound investment? But what we've seen over the course of this season in that very prolific patch way, way back, which feels like about 10 years ago, but that prolific patch just before Christmas and then then his form since the restart, they've got a real asset on their hands that he's going to be, he's going to be a star. Simon, last word on Palace to you then. Not the first time this season, Frank Lampard's substitutes have all been extremely effective. We've spoken about Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek and Abraham combining for the winning goal. So he got his subs right again. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, you could make an argument that um, certainly in in the Jorginho case, it was kind of staring him at the face. I, I, I was a bit surprised it took him that long to make the change. But look, it's it's becoming a consistent theme, sort of game by game, that he, he's making the changes that that do change the game, and and that is going to not only breed confidence in himself, it's going to breed confidence in the players because they'll think, you know, this is the manager that can swing games for us, and it, it does make a big difference. These changes, it's it can uh, be the difference between Chelsea qualifying for the Champions League or not. Just on that, and 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 he does deserve credit for for what he's he's used his use of the substitutions but i do think with each game that i watch in this restarted premier league this five substitute rule is killing virtually any club that is outside the top six i mean that any club that doesn't have a squad the depths of chelsea's do not stand a chance and if 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 three substitutions of the caliber of loftus cheek Jorginho, and tammy abraham 
if you can't make an impact coming off the bench against a tiring team in that who his average age is about thirty, then you've got a problem. Um, and thankfully, Chelsea tonight they sh- they proved their pedigree. It's this is so weighted towards the elite. It's frightening, and it and it really this notion that has been mooted that we may have to to use this next season as well. Have five substitutions in games. It will completely take the competition out of the Premier League. It needs to be stopped. Yeah, agreed. I think there'd be six teams who'd be voting in favour of that, and and fourteen who probably wouldn't. Um, anyway, that Palace game came after the woeful performance and result at West Ham last week, and then the breezy and easy three nil success against Watford at the Bridge on Saturday. In terms of patterns emerging from these three games, Liam, I suppose the the one that's been emerging throughout the season is is the prevalent one that, that defending and specifically defending set pieces is is something which requires some work on on the training ground. Do you get the impression that that's something that's forming a lot of the uh, the sessions at Cobham at the moment? And if not, why not? Harry's sponsors straight out of Cobham. As a listener of this podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash Cobham right now. That's harrys.com slash Cobham. I've been using my Harry's razor during lockdown and I can assure you that it is the smoothest, most comfortable shave that you can find harrys.com forward slash Cobham I was sitting in on a press conference earlier this week with Lampard where he was specifically asked about the set piece issue and I don't think he sees this as a as a hugely scientific problem he was asked about the fact that the Chelsea teams he was a part of particularly the great Chelsea teams uh, didn't really have this kind of a problem with set pieces. And he basically said that they didn't practice them at all. They didn't practice defending them, attacking them. They just had John Terry, Didier Drogba, Michael Balak, lots of big guys who, if you put the ball into the, into their vicinity, would win the header. Um, and I think that's, the, that, that's kind of indicative of his view of how this, how this problem is solved, is that you need aggression, you need... Um, perhaps to a certain extent height, although John Terry wasn't the tallest guy, he just had impeccable timing and really wanted to win every header. Um, So I think Lampard probably sees this as something that he can't solve with the current personnel. He's already, uh, as I've detailed in a couple of pieces, looking in detail at Chelsea's corner defending. Um, He's overhauled the system once this year. He did it in September after the Lille game. And he's stuck with that system since. And it, it works a lot better when Zoom is on the pitch. But it, it's not going to be perfect because you have a lot of small guys who aren't necessarily the most aggressive and can get bullied by the kinds of players that are very common among the other 14 teams in the Premier League. And of course, it's it's something that um, Hakeem Ziyech and Timo Werner are not going to address. So <laughs> they, they need to have a think about the, the summer transfer window and, and whether that needs to be a priority. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what business does get done uh, during the window. Uh, next up for Frankie's fellas, a trip to Yorkshire on Saturday to face Sheffield United. As we record, we don't know how they've got on against Wolves on Wednesday, but hopefully they've done Chelsea a favour. Uh, 2-2 when these two met back at the start of the season. Wasn't seen as a great result then, but obviously we didn't see what has happened with Sheffield United coming at that point. Uh, Simon, do you think there are going to be changes to the starting lineup? Has, has Jorginho done enough to, to work his way back into the the starting eleven? Well, as I said earlier, I, I think um, 
as long as Kante is still not fit, which is pretty unlikely, um, then I would have thought so. I mean, it would be a huge call by Lampard to leave him out again, just on the evidence of um, Billy Gilmore's couple of appearances so far. I think Sheffield United would uh, certainly be looking at looking at that as a weakness. Um, I think Chelsea needs someone that can um, dictate midfield play a bit more, keep the ball. Because I think game management has been the... Is we, we can talk about set pieces, and that's definitely been a, a flaw exposed again. But I think game management has been a real flaw exposed in the West Ham and, and the Palace games to a degree. Um, just players sort of not switching off and, and losing position high up the pitch and players being out of position and then being counted on, um, which was criminal in the West Ham game to have effectively sort of Christensen and, and Rudiger isolated as they were. So I think they are missing someone of Jorginho's leadership and ability to string a few passes together when perhaps the flow of the game is suddenly going against them, just to have someone to put their foot on it. There's certainly plenty of time for Billy Gilmore to make a big impact at Chelsea, so I'm not writing him off by any means, but I think the stakes are too high for him to be in the starting eleven right now. Uh, Dom, Simon mentions players switching off there. I was was kind of surprised to just see the one change to the lineup from from Saturday for for the Palace game that we've been talking about. Do you think, as brilliant as he's been, it might be the time to give, say, William a breather? He looked pretty tired by the end of the game. To be honest, they're leaning on him at the moment. I, I think he he was excellent, absolutely excellent. And his 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 running, his carrying of the ball, um, his 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 vision and, 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 the, and yeah, the runs he makes. I, I just, I think Chelsea would be damaged without him in the in the lineup at, at present um, you got to hope that his the momentum is just with him and and you know the fact that he must feel in in good form uh, just carries him through i mean he's setting up goals and scoring goals left right and center he and pulisic are the are sort of the driving forces of this of this chelsea team and when when they're playing at their best those two are, are swarming all over opponents so i'd 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 be tempted to keep him in for as long as I, as long as it's possible, um, unless he's unless he's you know pulling up or with niggles etc. But look, they have got options they can they can use from the bench. I mean, if 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 they get the game won early, which tonight they might have done had they had they capitalised on that two nil early lead, then you've got a Callum Hudson Odoi desperate to get involved more and more on the bench, and he could come on for for William quite conceivably. Um, there's 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 a fluidity amongst those those attacking players and the interchanges you can do, um, so they have this depth. But I'd I'd stick with William for now. I think he's I think he's playing he's playing as if he's playing for a contract. <laughs> well, we'll find out if he makes the starting lineup. That game kicks off at five thirty UK time on Saturday. We will of course react to it in next week's show. Uh, that's just about it for this week. Before we go, let's hear what the chaps are writing about. Uh, Liam, you've been looking at the comparisons between Christian Pulisic and Eden Hazard. Yeah, and, and he did a little bit more to make that piece age very well um, <laughs> with his performance against Crystal Palace. Looking at the 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 ways that he is valuable um, or the, the similar ways that he he's valuable to Hazard, but also the differences, primarily their mentality, I think. Um, I'm also working on a piece about Kai Havertz. No, I'm not confirming that he's going to join Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> Announce Havertz. Before. Yeah, exactly. Um, but more looking at, at, at kind of the ways he's been used at Bayer Leverkusen, um, looking a little bit at his performance in the German Cup final as well. Spoiler alert, Leverkusen lost. 
Uh, Simon, I noticed a couple of portions of rice on your feed. Uh, you've alluded to the fact that Chelsea are trying to curry favour with their former youth team player. Uh, he might be coming back. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Just turned the floodlight day. off, by the way. It's now very dark out here. Is that a judgment or Matt's joke? Um, <laughs> um, I, I am a bit Declan Rice obsessed at the moment, <laughs> but for good reason, because... Um, as I alluded to earlier, having a very good authority that, that he's he's a prime target. It's still going to be very difficult for Chelsea to prize him out of West Ham. They they didn't do their their chances any good by losing to West Ham and, and therefore helping West Ham's chances of staying up in the Premier League because naturally if they get relegated, um, they're going to be under more pressure to perhaps sell a player to, to help their finances. But Another piece that I wrote in connection to, to Declan Rice is, is what it might mean for Ficaro to Tamori, who's only started three games in 2020, um, which is a real surprise when you think of how well he was playing the first half of the season, but a combination of, of Lampard's team selection and, and an injury that he suffered before the restart has, has kept him out of the lineup. And from what I'm hearing, there's a very good chance he will be loaned out. And, and one of the possible things that Chelsea will do is, is offer him to West Ham as, as a tempter. Um, but it, it will probably take a lot more than Fikayo tomorrow on loan to get the deal done. It's going to cost an awful lot of money because, quite rightly, West Ham rate him very, very highly. Wow, it's going to be interesting to see if that gets over the line with Tamori going the other way on loan. Um, Don, meanwhile, I really enjoyed your piece of your, your day at Kenilworth Road making fake crowd noise. Uh, I would push everybody in the direction of that. What What are you going to be writing about in the aftermath of tonight's game? Have you decided yet? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest, uh, I'll address the, the Palace issue later on in the week. I'm sure there'll be a piece to, to be written. I've actually got a, I've actually got a Liverpool piece going in tomorrow for um, bizarrely about the uh, a player that no one will realise is actually playing for Liverpool and is qualifying for a Premier League Champions medal uh, the the fourth choice goalkeeper Andy Lunigan who uh, is a bit of a championship icon he's played up and down the championship over the years but uh, I am working on something on Chelsea um, on Claude Makélélé um, which will go live at some point um, trying to decipher quite what Claude does at the club at the moment um, and his coaching career post-playing days. Yeah, I think he's just in the Makaleli role. Um, all that sounds good. Remember, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you not only get to read the outstanding work of the three wise men here, you can also get this podcast and the many other fine football shows under The Athletic banner ad-free when you listen through The Athletic app. Dom, thanks for your company. Thanks for staying in the car. Sorry for my terrible puns. Pleasure and okay. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, always good to have you with us. Thanks for being here late night. Cheers, cheers. I, I won't be going to bed for a while anyway. I've got to do my match piece. <laughs> and uh, Simon, I'm glad that your heart rate has returned to its uh, its normal level. Just uh, just nobody shout Benteke for a while in the Johnson household, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's still beating and uh, yeah, I'll be as lively as ever next time. <laughs> well, do join us for that. Listener. Thanks for your company today. Bye for now.